When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, the 100th episode of All the President's Minutes, is brought to you by bellacatering.com.au. Thank you so much for following along One Heat Minute Productions' latest minute-by-minute project. For all 99 episodes that you've heard thus far, this is now the 100th. Special thank you to my usual crew of friends and intimates, Sam Howard, my wife, my best friend Maria Lewis, Stu Coot, Garth Franklin, of course, Bill Gabiri, who helped kick off the show, Travis Woods, Katie Walsh, the entire One Heat Meter Productions team. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your support. Special shout out to all of my patrons on One Heat Minute Patreon. We couldn't do it without you. And uh, just thank you so much. Now, I'm going to talk to a man who I talked to on the very first podcast I ever did for One Heat Minute. This is Stu Coot. Let's do a little bit of crossover. Travel back in time to leap ahead. Stu, welcome to this undertaking, the first of 170 episodes that we're going to be doing of this show. Which I need to apologize for for putting you up to this in the first place. (laughs) So let's explain. Let's have a bit of context. Um, I think it's a great idea to to put that blowtorch on the film you love the most and just take it apart and go nuts because... Yeah, not a lot happens in a minute, or doesn't it? Like, let's let's find out. <laughs> let's find out. Yeah, let, how far can you dig into into one minute of film? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All the President's Minutes. I'm your host, Blake Howard. As you heard in the preamble, I took a snippet from the very first episode in One Heat Minute Productions, the first episode of One Heat Minute, where this man described putting movies under a blowtorch and it being fun to see if they stood up to the scrutiny. If you felt the heat, in any of the One Hit Minute production shows, you'll probably, you've probably got this man to blame. Uh, he's one of my dearest friends. Uh, he uh, uh, has given me the come to Jesus moments. It only feels right uh, that he be a part of the 100th show. We were going to do this as a trio in the room. Originally, when One Hit Minute was conceived with three men, myself, Garth Franklin, who unfortunately is unwell, but he'll be on the show before we ride into the climax. And the man sitting next to me, who's been at the beginning, and been at the end, and at the beginning again, and now at the hundred. A great voice in cinema, an utter pain in the ass if you're arguing with him, and uh, and really uh, one of the great cinematic podcast bait and switches, and he often lines up his co-host, Josh Corbett, to think that he's going to be completely on his side in certain podcasts that they do, the cinephiles, and then he completely sides with Liam, um, the other host of that show, and, uh, and really infuriates Josh. And I, I was running today... And I was listening to their recent episode on Cutthroat Island. I was having an absolute cackle to myself. I couldn't almost run because Josh was getting so mad at Stu Coot. Stu, welcome to all the President's Minutes again, buddy. As you say, the bait and switch is beautiful <laughs> because we record every fortnight and we do a little, we, we, we walk to coffee each morning before work 
and we discuss the, the film a little bit and you mm-hmm. start to just trickle things out. <laughs> and then there's nothing better than leaving one of your co-hosts high and dry <laughs> on an episode when they go, because you're doing that intense eye contact and I give them the look like, yeah, go on, go on, go on. And they walk you down the hallway and then you're like, oh, I actually love this movie. <laughs> you son of a bitch. No, but uh, yeah, that was not the strangest thing that happened that night, I guess, when we're all in that hotel room together. But if it was the birth of your podcasting empire, then oh. I'll take a small credit for it. No, so, you should. No, it was. Um, it's been great. It's been. Um, I couldn't believe that you got to a hundred episodes so quick of this one. It's like when you like because I've sort of just got them ticking away in the background, mm. and then you're like, "Hey, do you want to come on?" I was like, "Wow, it's gone quick." Again, yeah. probably not quick for you. What's this? Eighteen months? How long? Where are we at? Mate, we started this in Jan. It was originally going this to be. Year. Yes. This this is just before COVID hit. Yes. This year's been so... I know everyone keeps saying, but time is just... Time is completely bad. Another thing this year. Yeah. I, I mean, we... So we had talked about this kicking off November to November... Uh, sort of November through to even December, January in the original conception of the show because I was thinking about, oh, well, maybe I can run it, you know, during the political campaign, roll up, and maybe... Thir- and in my head, I kept thinking, maybe 13 months or 14 months if I really give it a good go, got to get this done. And this show will be done in 11. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's been an insane time, and we've upped the frequency of the episodes, and the guests have just been... Been absolutely incredible i've just been I, i've completely been floored by journalists and critical minds and creators that have uh, that have uh, you know jumped on this train and i've been so so proud of the show and what a year to do it i mean we we're just saying before that there might be some twists and turns left in this sort of we're in the american election year yes. there might be some twists and turns yet to come although I feel like nothing would actually shock us at this stage. <laughs> there is literally, like, there have been aliens, there's, there's like, been COVID, there's been fires on both sides of the globe. You could have, you could have literally Watergate, and I don't even know if it makes page two of the news <laughs> at the moment. No. Like, it's it's just a, it's a wacky time. But it's all, we're at the at interesting point of history where maybe we see things repeat themselves a bit. Yeah, look, uh, even... You know, I've had so many great get, uh, so many great fans of the show, and just people who followed along and supporters of everything that we've done. Reach out and talk about rediscovering One Heat Minute this year and after the show, or like after the Michael Mann episode, people diving back through. And I genuinely look back at this year and I look back on the work that we've done producing this show, and I go, "This is going to be a batty show to listen back to because you could, if you wrote down a list." of all of the things that have happened this year, you know, um, whether it's socio-political unrest, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, civil unrest, whether it's fires, whether it's pandemic, pandemic responses, political weirdness, um, you know, violence and people like in the panic of a, of a pandemic, um, just, you know, natural destruction in Australia. Like one of the first episodes we recorded, it was like a stinking up 42 degree day um, in this garage studio, which is now like actually grown into itself. And you and I it was stinking hot day and it was clouded with smoke outside. It was and absolutely, we, it was still talking about streets that were cut off in yeah, Sydney. And yes. That there was, you know, a quarter of our state had burned down at that <laughs> yeah, stage. And yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and, and you sort of forget that's all happened this year as well. It all happened in 2020. Like 2020 is, I, I remember a few people started doing it maybe in May. Hey, do you remember that uh, Parasite won Best Picture this year? And you're like, it was May and you're yeah, like, it's, nah. No, no, yeah, that's four <laughs> years ago. 
<laughs> it's four years ago. But the hairs, the gray hairs in my beard have been getting significantly more aggressive. Uh, but it works for you. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks. I've got that Steve Martin. Book. But yeah, so here we are in a hundred minutes into this show. Um, this movie has continued to be a salve for me as I've gone along. It's continued to incite great conversation on this show. And, you know, I, I think the words I in, in an upcoming episode, episode 106, I talk more, uh, uh, you know, uh, directly about it. And I've mentioned it a couple of times with the great Matt Zeitz, Matt Zola Zeitz, he comes on the show again. And Matt just goes, Blake, I used to think this show was really, you know, this show and this film were really prescient things and a great prescient commentary. And he's like, now it's just a fantasy. Exactly yeah, to your yeah. point. <laughs> you would actually hope that one day, like we have, like, they've, just the hint of a smoking gun was enough. <laughs> yes. Now it's like you can have the smoking gun, the dead body, the sign confession, <laughs> video of both being happening and people going, yeah, but I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> but like, here, this Reddit thread, yeah, I'm 100% sure. Yeah, it's just so odd that it, and, I mean, maybe we're all to blame as well. And I've said this about sort of the problems with like sort of film, not so much like the 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 film crit critical sort of mass at the moment, mm. that there's really no sort of barrier to entry. Mm. And that's just in the film sense. So in like in journalism, there's no real, the old sort of uh, gatekeepers aren't there anymore. So literally anyone can throw anything up and before long you can have six or seven articles which agree with you and all of a sudden you've got a following and it's like no one was there to knock it on the head and it's and like go, you're stupid yeah it's like with so many films where they go someone will say oh did we get it wrong no no we no, no we were there we were there in 92 <laughs> we judged it it's not good oh but let's think about it again no nope, no we've done it we've been down that path we're not we're not playing that game and now there's now all the, the stalwarts are fading away, and now it's a free for all. <laughs> it's uh, I I I don't know if we mentioned it on air, um, but you know Sam Fragoso, who's an upcoming guest on the show um, in just two episodes' time, and I had talked about you know film criticism coming in even let's just say 2012, even 2011, 2010, when I started sort of coming in and, 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 and being around little bits and pieces was already then was kind of in its last gasps in a way, like so many amazing publications do not survive solely from film criticism. Like it is not an yeah, they art. Just can't. They can't. It's, like, it's not even, it's, it's not even really a prominent thing in our newspapers anymore. No. Like before, you'd have sort of it's whittled big, down in terms big like readouts. entertainment sections and all. Even that just feels like it's gone and not really even replaced. No. It's this weird nothing in the middle that it's sort of, I don't know, you know, now it's just cut to articles full of like Twitter reactions and it's so immediate. <laughs> yes. No one's actually sitting back and going, where's my two and a half thousand words on this for the Sunday, for the Sunday paper? Like you might have once had... But now it all just feels like it's what's the latest social media platform and what's their reaction to it, which seems... You know, I, di I didn't do my two and a half thousand words um, a la, you know, sort of um, a la Pauline Kale and like a seven samurai. But what I did do was a TikTok dance reaction yeah, to this Marvel movie. In And in many ways, <laughs> that's worth more words because a picture's <laughs> worth a thousand words. So a moving picture for 45 seconds. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's it's... It, it definitely was what Pauline Kale had intended yeah, when she sort of... That's when the Mifuni took over <laughs> TikTok for a week. What a 
time to be alive. Oh my god. But yeah, so here we are, we're a hundred minutes into this film. And um for folks who are listening, uh just look, thank you so much. It's been an amazing journey. Um, we're at a moment, we're at a nexus in the film where for so long, these guys have been struggling and butting their heads up against trying to get people who are willing to go on the record and get witnesses and do these things and find these people. And every single time there's setbacks. And I think right now we're at a point in the film where Robert Redford as Bob Woodward and, and Dustin Hoffman as Carl Bernstein have been butting their heads against like how to get the next break. Who's the next person that's going to give us that insight? Who's the next person? And what's great about this sequence in this scene is that we start to understand like hey, there's a great big source here. He's a big fish. And if you've read all the President's Minutes of the book and um, you would know that there's an amazing sort of lead up to find Donald Segretti and a whole bunch of witnesses and a whole bunch of lawyers pleading with him not to talk and you know him trying to be evasive about his involvement in all the sort of uh, rat fucking as uh, it, we come to know it. There's no other... The, no, the, 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 the it movie calls it that. <laughs> it is the best... Like, it's one of the best terms of all time. Yeah, and it's like, because it's even when you say it to someone, like if you call someone a rat fuck, <laughs> yes. it really cuts. It's good. Like it's sort of good fellas, go, like <laughs> yes. meets Sopranos, meets this. Oh, Mamet, Mamet loves yeah, it. Ma- that's rat a- Fuck you, like, rat! Fuck! It doesn't give you much leeway <laughs> for character either side. And 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 when I asked the or mentioned Matt Zolzitz before, when I asked Matt Zolzitz what he wanted to talk to me about, he's like, he's like, oh, I really love a deep throat scene. And I said, I've got Wouldn't one. We all. <laughs> and I said, I've got a rat fucking minute for you. And he goes, one rat fucking minute. What a that that could be the name of this entire production. It's one rat fucking minute after what if another. That's taken as a business name yet. Oh. One rat fucking minute. <laughs> what do you guys do? Doesn't matter. It's a good name. It's the best it's all name in the business card. One RFM, I think, is probably what you'd be able to get on there. Um, so we're with the boys. We're in a car. Uh, we were lucky enough. I think was it fucking this year to see this movie on a big screen. I think it was one of the first retro screenings in January. Yeah, because event cinemas. Because I've been keeping an eye on them, and they did. I missed a fair few last year that I wanted to see, and so it was this because we caught the searches not long searches before. before. Yeah, just before. before this, because we had the searches, this, and then the conversation. Mm. And I want to say that was all around probably before February. Jan, Feb. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it was. It felt like Aussie summer. Yeah, yeah. And it was the beginning of the year. And so we got to see this one on the big screen. Man, this played. Man, this conversation that comes up played. Um, thanks for being a part of it. And uh, we're going to watch the 100th minute to get it right now, Stu and I. And he's live in the studio. That's another fucking very rare thing for this show this yeah, year. It is yeah, like in yeah. a year that has been lived digitally, it's so nice I can see him. Usually I'm on AirPods <laughs> hiding away while my partner <laughs> yells at me to stop the yelling about, I don't care who's the better joker. Fucking <laughs> Legends, shut up. It's it's all those things. But now he's he's here, he's in one rat fucking studio <laughs> with me. May, may get that name. Um, but... We're going to watch the boys right now sort of talk about this man, Don Segretti, start unpacking what's happening. You guys are going to listen along, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. He said that Shipley was asked in the summer of 1971 by an old Army buddy, a Donald Segretti, to join a group of other lawyers for Nixon's campaign to sabotage a Democratic candidate. Listen, make a left when you can. We'll go to my side. It was a Democratic candidate. That's right. Now, I was able to make a couple calls today, and I got Segretti's records for the year 19... His travel records for the year 1971-72... 
Well, does the FBI know about... Did you say left or right? Left! Archie, we gotta go, we gotta go through the records. Does the FBI know about Segretti? The FBI interrogated Segretti and found yeah. out that he wasn't involved in the break-in, so they dropped it. They didn't follow through on it. Where is he? He's in California. You should look at this. What? Segretti crisscrossed the country at least a dozen times. He always stayed in cities where there are Democratic primaries. Well, if the break-in... It was just one incident in a campaign of sabotage that began a whole year before Watergate. Then for the first time, the break-in makes sense. This isn't so crazy. This whole thing didn't start with the bugging of the headquarters. So Grady was doing this a year before the bugging. And a year before, Nixon wasn't slaughtering Musk. He was running behind. Great. Great minute. Yeah, that's where Aaron Sorkin gets the walk and talk from. This is the drive and talk. <laughs> the drive and talk? Yeah, the drive and talk. Don't you love an in a car interior shot where people's faces aren't lit up for the whole shot. Like yeah, it's, it's such a great touch. Cause it's like the car lights light up your face and you would know if you're driving along at night, you, it gets lit up and it's just a great side profile shot yeah. in a car. You rarely see it. It's so good. And it's still using the rear projection, still doing that, but there's just something that just gives that and the decision to only light their faces up periodically as cars are driving past them. So good to begin this minute. And I really like the absent-mindedness of like the left, like <laughs> like when you're trying to do a million things at yeah, once. It's yes. like, was it left hit? Was it, oh, and then like, it, and it continues on. I think we, you've probably touched on it uh, several, several episodes. There is a sort of absent-mindedness of Redford in this. Like he's not, he's not bumbling, no. but he's kind of not, he's a bit sort of head in the clouds at times, or he's a bit like he sort of minds elsewhere. Cause he's sort of on the seriousness of it that he sort of misses the little day to day he's nuances. Not, he's not savvy. Yeah. But he's just kind of like, he's a, it's a weird, it's a bit of a boy scout thing, but it's also like, that's a, that encapsulates that. Like he's not really paying attention to normal life. Cause he's so fixated on the job. He sort of <laughs> yeah. misses those little touches and those little things. But I love the, the visual storytelling of just, it's almost akin to doing the montage or like yep. the cross, like someone would do a cross country, maybe like more inefficient storytelling might actually show someone going in and out of doors or going in and out of like airport, like the little sort of turnstiles and sort of the little roller door kind yeah. of things. But this just to do the lay down, like set of cards also showing the the journalism work and you can tell that they're all, some of them are real or some faxes. of them the originals. Yeah. Some of them are photocopies. <laughs> some of them have come in and it's just bang, bang, like laying their cards literally down on the table. They're nice little touches. And it's a flashy kind of filmmaking that you're referencing, but it's like, and which you can do it and you can show your sort of savant, you know, show off showiness in that moment. Or you can do exactly as you said, which is like, you continue to show the grind of like photocopies and stuff. And they're, we now see in the latter part of the scene, they're lying across the floor, laying this shit out, trying to, trying to find that what these pieces of paper, are, pieces of paper are telling them. And I just love that right now we've come up to a moment of Watergate is not an isolated incident because for the longest time, the frustrating quandary that people have in their mind or just from the outset is, Oh, well, Nixon went down, because he bugged the National Democratic Headquarters. That's just one, one tiny straw that is well, in, an inter, in, a, in a hay bale of like political fuckery for a year. And all of that self-evident stuff that these guys and their editors have been saying this whole time about, you know, Muskie's going to implode, like Nixon's going to basically run unimpeded, blah, 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 blah. It's all been this calculated thing and finding these, finding these other people is, is, is just 
just what they're about to catch. Which seems so odd because it's like a, a powder keg of badness. Yes. But everyone is so nonchalant about it. And you're like, you're well-funded. There's all like off-the-book stuff and talking millions of dollars. Yeah. And to think that the bugging wasn't even necessary at the end of the day. They'd all, they would have had the spoils. Yeah. It's that arrogance and that need to go that one step because they were so deep into it that it sort of didn't matter. It's like... It's like terrible police corruption where it's like, yeah, we just, we took the money because it was, that's what we did. Yeah. It's not even negative. It's and, like, and there are people here. Like I love hearing about, there's the guys who do the Watergate break-in. They're, they're, they're one element of it. Yeah. Then there's the, then there's like, we later find out the architect of the Canuck letter um, who has a, uh, a wife and a family and a dog and a cat um, as we're about to hear later it's, in the movie. Um, and, but then you've got, then you've got someone like Donald Segretti here who they start to discover and um, and Alex Shipley. And these guys are, when you start to see the complexity of the machine, that these guys are all funded and they're all moving and they're all different parts and they've all got all these different patches that they work. It's like, oh no, there, there's a whole engine of political fuckery on potentially both sides of the political spectrum. But here, like Nixon is like, is like, they talk about like old samurais folding the metal of the swords. Like yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is like the perfect samurai sword of messing with people just at the right amount at the right levels. And then that final stamp of like, I actually want you to push into the illegal and these lawyers going, you know, even though we do bad stuff, we could not do what you're asking us to do right now. I think I, I love that final sort of stretch that we're in, in this movie. And it's interesting. Cause there was only a couple of weeks ago, like my partner, had never seen JFK. Oh, great. And I was like, well, strap in because <laughs> we're doing Me and Ollie Stone have got to show you some shit we're right now. Doing, and, I mean, Stone can't even spell subtlety, <laughs> so which is fine, but it's sort of dealing with the same thing of, like, just how much the wool could be pulled over, yeah. like, someone's eyes. But that the fact that – and it sort of touched on a bit in Spotlight. Mm -hmm. When they went around looking, like, talking to all the priests – and there was like a guy, it's sort of, the film wasn't a bit clear in Spotlight whether he had sort of some kind of like onset, early onset dementia. But when they hit him up and they're like, do you do this badness to these kids? And he was like, yeah. yeah. Like, we, we all did it. Like that <laughs> cultural and systemic problems, mm -hmm. like the corruption in this, which is just, like you even see, they're not really even hiding their tracks, like the way he's sort of jumping around the city. Oh, sorry, around the country. Also love that, now we're in a we're in a post. I don't know if you're aware of this. We're in a post-tenant world. <laughs> like we live in post. We're, it was pre. It's pre and post-tenant, and not <laughs> just for because this at times is exposition. The movie, absolutely. Like it, but it it has on paper a bunch of people sitting down in rooms having conversations and should not work. Walking, walking, walking everyone through it like they're a six-year-old. Like even this scene, yes, is very much like pointing it out, going. He must have done like, and there's the visual aids to be like, look, he was here, he's yeah. here. Oh, oh, and like, they're, we're sort of coming to it like at the same time the characters do. They never get too far ahead of us. They're never mocking the audience, and that's because it's written heard, so well. I heard Redford have a great phrase of what he called this movie. He said it's a it's a how done it about a who done it, mm. and I think that that's the great layering of like. We want to see how these journalists did what they did when they're investigating a whodunit. So we want to see all that Manny Faber, termite art, 
laying it out there and we don't want it to be laid on too thick. We don't want it to be too showy. We want it to have atmosphere. We want, it, we want to feel the texture of the corduroy making the <laughs> sound in between Robert Redford's legs. That's the, that's that we want to feel it. We want to be right there. And right now here, you know, on the floor of Bernstein's apartment as the scene concludes is, is these guys like literally mapping out, wait a second, if this guy exists and he's staying in democratic places and we've seen all these, we've seen all these dominoes in this democratic campaign fall unceremoniously throughout, then this is way bigger than one hotel break-in. And in the wrong <laughs> hands, yeah, this could have been so dry. Oh, And you've got to have like from starting, and that's, I mean, this has always been the joy of the breaking down of the minute. Yes. Of to see what, like... You're not always appreciating just how much visual information and audio, obviously, but more the visual information is coming across in a minute of film. Like we sort of, I still do, and I still take, you know, it's you go back, especially this time when we haven't had as many cinema releases, you go back and how many people go, oh, I rewatched that thing. Yeah, it's not, there's a lot going on in that thing. You're like, <laughs> yeah, with a bit of time and perspective, there's a lot, like there's a lot happening. And then yes. so in this, like to go from like, the car scene to the the little montage of the the stuff into now the floor and just information coming, never feeling overwhelmed. No. You never feel like, especially in this, this could be it's pretty on again, like you say, on paper, so convoluted. Like yeah. where do you where do you start with your entry point? How do you map all that out? And all the names are really tough as well. Like, you know, right now in this scene, I only know it because I've watched it so many times in preparation for the show and doing it, but it's like, oh, we found Alex Shipley and Alex Shipley. And if you've read the book, you'll, you know, these are dings in your head. Ding, ding, ding. You, you know, this is a whole chapter or a whole segment of the book. And so you're like, oh, Alex Shipley into Donald Segretti and he's, he's hopping over town and the FBI did this and who's the FBI and what's his name again? And you, if you're, if you're chasing names in this movie, you will get lost quickly. But I think that I see that, that goes to exactly what you're saying. The how effective and how uh, economical the 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 relay of information is, where it's like some of these names really matter, and one of them matters. It's Donald Segretti. You want to yeah. know how I know it matters? Because I've just laid you out twenty cards without yeah. you realizing, yeah. and I'm underscoring his name because you want to know him. And guess why you want to know him? Because we're about to go see him. And they burn, they burn characters really well. Like they use up the source. And that and they, gives them the next person. Yes. But you don't ever wonder, oh, let's go back. Like, yes. you don't ever need to circle back on many people. The only S time we Slippery do. Slippery Sloan is one who yeah, they have to. Yeah, and we do on the the FBI the FBI guy that fucks them over. Joe, at the, yeah. Yeah, like we go towards the end when it's all, when all the ties are coming together. But we're not constantly needing to go back and catch everyone back up as to where they are. Like, it's yep. always moving forward. And we have a couple of the, like, I guess the editorial scenes work as that nice little sort of like previously on four presidents men <laughs> where are we are we are we getting off the boys yet are we still going no no we're still going oh wait we're waiting for a what scene yeah, yeah we're waiting <laughs> for <laughs> wait waiting for those scenes and let me just say look at look at redford in the the, the tie and the shirt combo he's all business oh, it's mate. so good he's he's good and and the it must be a quadruple Windsor. I've tried to tie a double Windsor tie knot to look like the ties in this movie, and I can't do it. It must be a triple Windsor. Like, it's so fat and meaty as a tie. It's always, like, loosely fitting. He just looks great. They both look fantastic in this movie. I know, and I I still, even in this shot with Dustin Hoffman, has no business being having the sex appeal that he does. <laughs> we, had like, we had an interesting chat in the office today about, like, 
which big celebrities have the least amount of like sexual Sex appeal. Yeah. on screen. <laughs> yes. So it comes down to basically like The Rock. Oh. Tom Cruise. Like there's no no one can actually go up against them. I actually strangely think Denzel is in that. Like he's got oh, swa- yeah? he's got swagger. Swagger. But he doesn't have there's no smoldering tension when he's on scene. Will Smith as well. The only person who's been able to get any smoldering tension out of him is Margot, our own Margot Robbie. That's they one movie. They are in, oh, in focus. They absolutely like focus sizzle. is out of control. But anyone else? Oh no, that, you've forgotten a massive one. You got to bring old Suicide, Vin in there. Suicide Squad. You got to bring old Vin in there. Oh, Vin, Vin Diesel. You say no smolder or there is smolder? There, I mean, other than man smolder <laughs> with his former co-star, the look, dearly departed Paul Walker, and him looking at Coronas. <laughs> And saying and saying one of the greatest phrases I've ever heard, which and I'm just going to say the phrase, and then I'll give you the line reading, which is, "I remember everything about my father," and him going, "I remember my father." So good, it, but Hoffman here has irrational amounts of sex appeal <laughs> up against fucking Redford. I know he's just a little bit. It's, it's because he's you know Redford's like crisscross. You know, the, so American friends of mine call it like crisscross applesauce. He's like sitting up like he's in a class, yeah. and Hoffman's the lounger. Yeah. He's got that bit more. Always up. a soft pack of darts nearby <laughs> oh, that he just mate. taps the bottom <laughs> to pop one out. Always looking for a lighter or oh, a match. Loves everywhere. it. And, and his apartment is funny. It's like a few people, and, and, and thank you to the women who've been a part of this show, has said, you know, um, the, the Bernstein apartment looks so much more clean and so much more like pristine than Woodward's because Woodward looks like a mess. It's yeah. just piles of papers yeah. and, and all those sorts of things and drafts and those sorts of things. And people are like, yeah, but at the time, Bernstein is meant to be this have this reputation of being a ladies' man. His apartment has probably seen more ladies, so oh, therefore would be one million percent. <laughs> and they've all and he's a busted unit, so they've all come and tried to fix him up at some stage until he gets caught stooping their sister, <laughs> and then it's all on to the next one. I think he would have owned a lava lamp. I think just quietly. In the bedroom. In the bedroom. A bit of shag carpet on the floor. Oh, my goodness. Some beads on the, on the <laughs> coming down off the curtains. Oh, the, know, It's a it, banger of a minute. It's a banger of a minute. And and just the – it's the real – like there's a – and uh, – People are going to hear a clip from it, and I, I want to thank Sam Fragoso, who was a guest on the show, um, and you guys are going to hear that recording very shortly, um, who tipped me to this. Dick Cavett's show. If you search just anyone, anyone who's a film fan, Dick Cavett show clips on YouTube are some of the coolest things in the world. And there is an interview, a, a director's roundtable, that includes Ivan Reitman, Alan J. Pakula, Sidney Pollock, and Sidney Lumet, and a first-time filmmaker whose name escapes me from Germany, whose like first film I think is called Man, is like one of the highest grossing independent films at the time. And Cavett's doing a roundtable. This poor woman is completely out of her depth, which, and, and I I can't even imagine what it'd be like to, to be a first-time filmmaker and sitting next to Sidney Lumet after he's made, count them, 12 Angry Men, Dog Day, Network, and The Verdict. So this yeah. is in the 80s. Yeah. Reitman's just made Ghostbusters, the most successful comedy of all time. He's already been making stripes. Pollock's just made like um, uh, Sophie's Choice. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's 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 gross. Yeah. Like what they did to this person, Tootsie, and then that. and then you'd lean in, going, "Well, in my um, in my movie, I got them to say the words that were on the script, <laughs> and I filmed it, and, <laughs> and then I produced that. And um, and I watched all of the men's 
films who are sitting here. Like, yeah. it's just unfair. It doesn't yeah. matter who, what yeah. director it is. It's unfair but, to be like in that. contemporary people now wouldn't be able to like, hold up. You'd need, like, a Fincher or someone in there to be yeah, yeah. hanging and banging with them. Well, yeah. there's You have to be – I mean, to sit next to Sidney Lumet, in my mind, there is, you know, man or woman – Woman, man, you know, you you have to be a director of certain caliber to be yeah, sitting at that table. Anyway, but the Cavett show, watching these guys talk, and someone who is just so wonderful is Alan J. Pakula. He's he's in so few interviews that you can find, but he's such he has such an approach about the workmanship of being a director and a filmmaker, as in you have to put in the work, you have to get the, these people to learn their lines and learn how things are going to be shot and learn how things. And and then he says this great thing in this interview, which is like, if I went to work today, he goes, I was just filming something and I came in to do this interview in the evening, which now is almost unheard of for yeah. directors to do. Yeah. And he's like, I went to set today and if I wasn't surprised at least once, Throughout the day, I'd be completely disappointed. He goes, because the trick of an actor is to, they are doing a job, they are reading lines, they are standing where I'm telling them or standing where the script tells them to stand. They are doing an act, performing an action, but they have to do that. They have to, they have to take all that information, they have to absorb it, and then they have to convey the emotions to make me believe that they are the person that is written on the page, that they, there's something undeniable about that. And what's so cool is a guy who is so prepared a guy who's working with some of the best people in the world who actually stipulates, if I'm not surprised, I'm disappointed. Yeah, but you look at something as innocuous as that, how they're sitting. Yes. That could be a direction. Yes. It could be, look, I want you to do this. Or guys, just go and sit, sit and see how it see how it lands. How would you. Woodward and Bernstein be sitting in this space? Well, just does it work? Like the it's like going to a bar when the night when it's like those nights when you go to the pub and you're like, we've all been to the pub a million times. But there's some nights you go and you just go, this is something there's a bit of magic in the air tonight. I don't know what it is. You can't force it. Nah, it's you, like you can those those not you know those nights when you go you get you call up your best mate and you go you want to go for two beers and a game of football? <laughs> oh, no. And just like, not even like, does it become drunken shit, but they're just those nights where like, you then meet like people and it turns into this sort of rowdy fun time, but you could never have planned to go have that night. But you know the bar, you know the place, you know the people you're going with. Mate. And then it just happens. It's the same reason you go, all right, I'll go out, but I'm not going if he's coming or she's coming because <laughs> they're always shit nights when they come and so it's going to have a fight. But it's those weird things because... I think the last I, time we saw, when we went at one of the retro screens, we went to Predator. Yes. I just came off listening to an interview with Peter Gallagher and he was saying when he was in Altman films, Altman would get him and he'd say, Gallagher would say, why am I here? And he goes, because Peter, I bring you in because you give me orange yeah. in the painting. You give me orange, but you'll also come and give me a little bit of blue that I don't even know I need yet. Yeah. And it's like, that must be a bit of that. Like I can frame and I can have a really... Strict yes. control about anything you do, but when someone does that thing out left field, and that must, and that's the, the tension of this alchemy. Like it's why yeah. it's so unfair when we go, you know, oh that movie sucked. This person's terrible. This person's a genius, and you go, are they, or were they just part of wrangling, yeah, three hundred odd people, and for whatever moment it hit, it worked, it got captured, like it's a. You know, that's why it's almost a bit unfair You've to just 
it's, consume it's, something a couple of ch- times. It's, like the, it's the chalk and cheese of doing two behemoth movies minute by minute in Heat and then All the President's Men is that in Heat, so many people talk about Michael Mann and, and his influence on the way that the film has been conducted. And the, in, the complete contrast is in All the President's Men, it's a fight for a whole stack of different people's influence on this movie. Is it Redford? Is it Hoffman? Is it Goldman? Is it Bakula? Is it Willis? Is it, is it the guys being on set? Like who the hell is it? And, and is it Robards? It's the, that's what I'm loving about the different discourse. If you're like a big auteurist fan or you like movies that are collaborations, it's like this movie feels to me so much like a hearty collaboration where like some mad scientists put all these incredible elements together and on screen they are making magic gold. Like you cannot, you, you just can't fathom how this should work, but it it, it is so unbelievably great every time to watch it, even minutes, just tiny choice, a, a side projection in a car with a lights are coming up on their eyes to completely make a stupid drive and talk scene, vastly more dynamic. And then a flub, like, where am I going? Like yeah. that left, like but that's the, magic to do that, that. The writing to do that. Yeah. Like to have, to not break, like, cause that, where am I going? We've all, <laughs> all asked, done it. We've all like, even worse now with GPSs, is it left here or is it the next, like, yeah. no, it's the next, but it just, it breaks it up and it humanizes the experience as well in a beautiful, in what? It's less than like, what, probably 12 seconds of screen time. Mm-hmm. I'm just bang. But just that little, the horn going, it's just another, like, it's another thing that brings us in. That's why I just circle back to Tenet. That tenant was so many different. Don't you, don't, not, I'm not, don't I'm not, you stay in this podcast not, with your I'm tenant not, talk. I'm not, I'm not, like. If you don't, look, <laughs> here, here he goes. Between between you and me, mm-hmm. if you don't get it, it's all right. Hey, you know. Hey, if you don't, get, guess what? If you don't, I get it. If you know, you know. If hey, you don't, hey, if you hey, don't get it. Wait, wait. It's okay. Hey, hey, not, hey listen. No one's gonna think less of you. I if get you it. Know, if you don't, just, I get it. If you don't understand it, just now, it's all right. People allowed, like, I get it. There's a reason. There's a reason we have like. Different degrees, <laughs> like there's like people can read at a much higher level. If sure, you if you sure. if you can't understand the book, mm-hmm. just you just put it back on the shelf and we'll get you something. <laughs> we'll, get we'll get you, you something we'll easy get to follow. Heat. We'll get you heat. Oh. If, that's, if you need oh, if you need good right. guys, bad guys. Right. If you need like, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's cooking too much. That's like trying to squeeze too much exposition in. You know, well, we can't hear it for the most part. <laughs> Apart from that, it's visionary. From what I heard. I really like the seven the seven words I heard. I really like, but that's the thing. You can do too much the other way, and it it completely throws the balance off. Yes, something like Tenet because it's the only thing in the conversation at the moment. I like people going. People go. I don't know why I didn't like it, and someone will go. Well, you didn't like it because it wasn't good, and you're like, no, this is exceptionally well made in terms of craft and everything. Mm-hmm. But something in the cake, the flavor. If you had to tone down something, if you have a get, or you give me one more, two more scenes of this or something or this or this performance is too big. Yeah. And it's like having the soundboard here. You push a couple of things up and down, then all of a sudden you're like, "Whoa, Ooh. we are in a completely different, different, like different, different planet. world, different." And that's somewhat uh, the know, beauty of something like this. In inter- a bit of internal cross promotion, I think um, on Increment Vice very recently, it was Damon Ho was a guest with uh, with Travis Woods, our host on that show. And he was talking about, you know, the phrase they always use with the great filmmaker Paul Thomas Anderson is uh, when he was before when he started, he was Coke Kid. And then later he was weed dad. I believe yeah. it was coined by yeah, Jason nice. Bailey. Yeah. And 
Because that energy is the, there. Like, the, it's the, almost like so boogie settled night, bo- down. Bo- bo- like. Bo- bo- boogie Nights, Paul Thomas Anderson is Coke Kid. The I mean, energy. It's also like it, six hours worth of content there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, I know. It's like, like he's, he's, ooh, he's, ooh, he's, he's, he's very flashy. He's, he's, you know, definitely prodigious. He's there. He's showing like, this is all the tools in my kit. And where you get to later, there's like nexus points. And people often reference um, Punch Drunk Glove as being this nexus point is... You get to something like incre- uh, Inherent Vice. I keep to say in- Inherent Vice because that's the show, but you get to something like Inherent Vice and it's a, a or, or especially Phantom Thread and it is a much more patient and less showy and very deliberate filmmaker that is operating that yeah. film. And when you're watching it, you can marvel at like, wow. You know, for example, Damon referenced a great scene with, um, uh, um, oh my God, I've just lost the name. No, 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 not with uh, not with Daniel Lewis, uh, Catherine Watterson. Um, oh, uh, 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 oh, sorry. In, in, yeah, in as, as, as Shasta Faye in, in Inherent Vice. And there's a moment, this like that pivotal scene that leads into this sort of, you know, very ambivalent sex scene where he's like, wow, this is a one Like it's a one shot. Yeah. It's a shot where yeah. the camera, you know, the focus pulling is happening. She's moving through the scene and it's just one shot. It could have been so flashy and dynamic, but it's like, no, for this moment, I'm going to, I'm going to hold your focus in the uncomfortable position of doc. And you're going to watch this person come closer to you and you're going to feel the tension of the dialogue. And it's like, that's a massive difference of like the confidence to be like that. And I think that's where you see like true masters. It's like, you don't want to chuck too much at it. Sometimes it's actually about doing less and conveying more. And um, yeah, look, we, so can someone like Spike Lee, Oh, like, Spike is great, but still like, I've never really liked his edit. Like his editing still feels that very choppy. Like, yeah, we're an indie film. We're running like fast and cheap, and we're on the move. But then there'll be those shots, like even in the five, the five bloods, oh, which like is you've got the like the four guys walking to the screen in the club. In the club, you've got the straight into the camera at the end, like little things that you're like, this is it feels tonally all over the place. But then you've got these pockets that really work, and like a lot of his films have had that all along. But when they hit. It's, it's like the frequency has to hit. For example, um, in Black Klansman, I think that chaotic energy, sometimes the chaotic energy works for what the story is. And when, yeah. it, when it aligns, it's like, oh my God, it's this like transcendent like moment that you feel. But then other times it's the same with like, you know, sometimes you want things to be more complex or you want to show. And like, it's the difference between an inception and a tenant in my mind, because inception is complicated, but uh, you know, as far as like, if you were like trying to tell someone on paper what it's about, hey, we're going to like plant an idea. We're doing a mind heist. We plant an idea inside someone's head and their layers of their subconscious in their dreams. Give that 10 years. Like when that first came out, we were all like, what the fuck? I have no <laughs> idea what it's about, but I liked it. Yes. But like with enough viewing. But if you go to someone, oh, I don't really understand Inception now. People are like, mate, it's so simple. <laughs> it's simple. We've got a dream. Mind heist, baby. We go, we go, we go again. next. We know there's a code word. If you implant that, it couldn't be simpler. <laughs> That's going to be me with Tenet in about two years' time. In Tenet years' yeah. time. I'm, gonna, I'm already doing it in the future. Oh, this has already happened. Jesus that, Christ. That podcast is coming. Oh, for the love of God. I Look, I've had some wonderful fans um, of this of, of everything that we've done with One Heat Minute and then One Heat Minute Productions and now into all the President's Minutes. And I had one of them reach out to me, and I don't want to, like, gaslight him on this show. We was like, you know what would make a great minute-by-minute minute podcast? tenant and for all the reasons which i'll list a couple i would never do a movie that was this immediate 
No. I think you need no. time and no. you need context. Yeah. It, you know, in my mind, you know, the, the films that we're looking at, we are looking at because they they have been able to maintain or sometimes even grow in the conception of audiences because they continue to stick around. Like they stay around in the dialogue. I think that the really, truly great films, the measure of truly great films is films that continue to be talked about over and over again. And you continue to see their influences through whether it's television or whether it's movies, um, other filmmakers love the films and are influenced by them deeply. And there's a kinship and they just grow and grow in people's minds. So we would never be doing an immediate film. Um, and also, you know, whatever my opinions of the movie are, which I didn't like it at all, um, uh, whatever my opinions are, that's that's fine. But I just couldn't muster anything more than nah. No, there's it, just no it, way. But it also wouldn't it wouldn't warrant it. it no, it doesn't nothing, warrant it. There's nothing there to unpack. Like once you unpack the mechanics, you're like okay, that. There's yeah, there's yeah. not like you've. Like you've, How many which, minutes can I talk about but, Elizabeth Debicki's l- height? Yeah, where like, she, where how? I mean, I just want to do a minute on that car chase where she actually uses her awesome height to unlock a front door from the back rear passenger seat. Yeah, exactly. That's all I want to like, talk about. And for that's, that's I would listen to that, <laughs> but that's when you come back to this, and this, this is not trying to be showy. No, this is not at all. But. Just while I've got Redford on the screen, I actually because this is the hundredth episode. Oh my god! I actually reached out to Redford's people. You did to try and get uh, them, and I've got the email here. I haven't read it yet because I was like waiting for today. So I'm gonna. Do you mind if I? Oh, please do, so please. I, I wrote out to his people, and because and I I actually have to thank Garth Franklin for. This oh really? Because he got me in touch with their people, and I thought, what better way? To, for the hundredth episode, please. So I'll just I sent them. I basically sent that you've been doing this. You've been dedicating one minute of time. I was inspired by actually by you getting Michael Mann on. Oh right. And they wrote back, uh, dear Mister Coot, uh, thank you for your email. Uh, Mister Redford has no interest in your screenplay. I don't don't know what that's about. I don't know where that's come from. Right. Uh, something something cease and desist. Oh. Um. Stop sending us emails. <laughs> ah. Um, yeah, no podcast talk here, but um, look, well, at least he's getting. I'm getting close to getting that look, screenplay. I, I mean, so I we're mean, getting, we're getting close. You're making an impression, exactly, and I thank you for it. If he has to turn up at the court case to block me, then so be it. But I'll sure to get in a word. <laughs> hey, if he turns, if up. I can be like Woodward and just hang out in the back seats and the cheap seats, I'm in. As the bailiffs are taking me away, <laughs> Mister Redford, can I get a minute? Just a moment of your time. One minute. Oh, bless uh, you. It's been fun. It's been fun to come in for the 100th time doing this. It feels like this, I think this is actually my, coincides with my 100th episode appearing on your <laughs> podcast as well. It's close. Yeah. I reckon you're in the 20s now, across all so. podcasts. You have to be. You have to be. That's more than the cinephiles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, done, I've done about 12 of those. So, yeah, no, I'm going, it's going strong. Look, it's great to see you in the flesh. It's great to have you a part of this show. It's great to have your influence on the show. And uh, thank you so much. You're a legend and I appreciate you being here. And, and it feels like for the Milestone episodes, uh, there's only one person that I start to think about uh, for those, and that's you. Who's so- available? Who lives down the road? <laughs> You don't live down the road just yet. Who will work for cheap? We'll get him in. Get him in. Get him in right now. Bless you, man. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. Pleasure. There he is. The man, the myth, Stu Coot. If you guys want to follow Stu, the best thing you can do is go to Twitter uh, and and see what ultimately is him being restrained uh, at Stu underscore watches. If you want to find uh, his show, 
Cinephiles, just go to anywhere that you find your podcasts and search Cinna, S-I-N-N-E-R-F-I-L-E-S. He does that with his buddies, Josh and Liam. Um, they are both essential followers as well. Just follow at Cinephiles. That's the best place you'll find all the boys talking there. Thank you all for listening. 100 episodes. We're just lining them up this week. You're going to have amazing guests coming at you. OneHeatMinute.com to find out about all of our different projects. One Heat Minute Patreon at Patreon forward slash One Heat Minute. If you guys want to find out extra bonuses, get bonus episodes and support the show with uh, a little bit of scratch, we'd appreciate it. Otherwise, subscribe, rate, review. Thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to help us put a blowtorch to our favorite movies of all time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.